You're listening to the All Things Geekery podcast. This is episode 20 of season three, and we're back with another episode of The Mandalorian. I'm your host, Detached. Hey guys, and I'm Victus. Well, we want to welcome all our listeners back to the show. And if it's your first time with us, guys, well, we want to thank you for stopping in and joining us. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. Long ago, in an episode far, far away, we explore the Mandalorian again. Our new miniseries covering the mysterious and also fascinating characters from the Mandalorian on Disney+. This episode, we'll be covering episodes 5 through 8 and discussing what our favorite parts were. I, I honestly, we ended last podcast on episode 4 and 5, 6, and 7 had already hit. Yes. And they're like, I wanted to talk about them so I, bad. I did too, but there was, I mean, that was already almost a two hour episode just, <laughs> just in the first four. So we had to break that one apart, guys. Um, so yeah, like, like Victor said, this is covering episodes five through eight. And if you have not seen the last four episodes, then probably don't want to listen because we will be giving away some huge plot tales and spoilers in this one and uh oh, covering them all cover- covering all the big yep. juicy spoilers yep really really um good stuff but i think before we jump into the the meat of the podcast i think uh just a big thanks is due to all of our listeners out there because guys we are at the end of 2019 it has been a long year i won't lie I don't know about you, Victus, but this has been kind of a ringer year for uh, for our family. Yeah, a long year, but a lot of productive stuff, especially from um, what we've put out and what you guys uh, reports back to you guys have given us and listened to from the episode. So uh, we wrap up 2019 just giving out a huge thank you. We want to state that before we get into the actual episode. So again, thank you so much. Yeah. and you know, victims have been talking over the last couple of weeks and just kind of reflecting back on 2019, uh, we really kind of labeled 2019 as the year of establishment for us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it was fitting. We had a uh, we had a rough start with this podcast when we first kicked things off because we one, we didn't know really who we were. And what we wanted to be and and we were trying to find our identity and place and and uh, i think we've well nestled ourselves into the land of geekery and uh yeah you could probably couldn't find two bigger nerds to talk about star wars <laughs> and movies and games than you have right here so if you are a fellow nerd then thank you for sticking along with us um but I want to let you guys know that 2020 is right around the corner and we are labeling that year the year of growth. So get ready for a roller coaster ride, guys. Or train wreck. We'll see or train what happens. Hopefully but, it's not a train uh, wreck. Oh. Um, <laughs> hopefully. Hey, those are entertaining, too. You know, so. if it's a train wreck, maybe <laughs> it will be one of those that uh, comes out on the good side. You know, we'll be on the like back side of the train, not the front side that falls off the cliff and blows up. So who knows? Get your phones ready. It'll happen. But yes, as as Tetch said, 2020 year of growth going to happen with our first episode team towards the end of January, beginning of February. 
and stay tuned for some new things as we'll be spending a good chunk of January re uh, upgrading <laughs> re the content that we bring to you. Re upgrading, leveling up. Yeah, I was going to go re something and I was like, nope, uh, scratch that, just upgrading. And the content that we I think in. that's a good good spot to cue in, you know, like the the level up ding. That's what we need right there. Good transition yes. music. So for anybody out there that uh, listens to the podcast, if you are um, excited and are ready to see those kind of things, then just continue to shoot us notes over Twitter. And again, you guys can always, always email us at podcastatg@email.com. And, uh, you know, it's fun to see that fan mail and, uh, you know, there's, there's been, you know, requests throughout the year for some topics and different things that we've talked about. So it's always nice to hear from you guys. Absolutely. And of course, on that note, sometimes, you know, we, we get through the topics, but then we come into topics that are so exciting to talk about that we can't help but cover them. And that is the phenomenon and that we are wrapping up, which is the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, phenomenon is definitely a, a good choice of words. The Mandalorian <laughs> has been one of my favorite shows that uh, that Disney had ever put out. It's been a really good piece of Star Wars culture. I think culture is a good word for that because the director John Favreau has done some really cool fan service. They've they've definitely done their studying. I'm way back into some uh, of the Legendarium, and they've pulled some cool lore out and. Uh, I think given some good, uh, good little tidbits and I like the Western theme that they've gone with, which was the original. If you look back at new hope, it kind of had that Western kick to it as well. There's a little bit of that in there. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the whole gunslinger, um, you could even say it's a wild West mixed with a little bit of a lone samurai feel with things that take place uh, currently in episodes one through four. See a lot of that forming up uh, kind of uh, you can kind of predict it's going to take place because of the introduction of Mando. He's now in care of this um, infant that uh, has graced and dominated the Twitterverse as social <laughs> media's baby Yoda. Memes all over the place. Memes yeah. all over. Yeah. So. Uh, we kind of set the stage now. He's still in the care of it. Uh, by the end of episode four, he's on the run because he basically defied the bounty hunters guild to rescue this infant. And now he has a mark on him or a bounty, uh, just a bounty on him uh, as the Imperial uh, persons still want the thing. Yeah. So, and, they, uh, and that's where we open up right into episode five. Episode five starts uh, in with a massive space battle, which is kind of cool. It's the first one we've seen in the uh, the series so far. Yep, so, uh, a dog fight breaks out between Mando and his Razor Crest and a um, anonymous bounty hunter. Yeah, it uh, doesn't really so. give any details about him. I I did like the fact hmm. that uh, I thought this was kind of cool because it it made me think of Top Gun for for whatever reason, but. Uh, the fighter pilot that was in that ship, if you looked at his face mask, he actually had a drawn on mouth with uh, like these razor sharp teeth that were in it. So, ah, yeah, okay. it was kind of a, kind of a cool little callback to, um, you know, pilots usually have some type of insignia on their helmets. So, um, he was clearly a pilot of some sort, but more than anything, he was probably another bounty hunter, uh, and they, 
found me. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of a, a neat little Easter egg for, for those pilots out there. It could have been a, could have been a pilot from the war. And usually those is where you saw the most character come out. Cause they liked to dress up uh, either their craft or themselves in a person that they follow, a hero, uh, uh, some story that they've heard about to become that person. So, uh, but we'll never know because that person was then blown up by the <laughs> Razor Crest. Yeah. Yeah. No more, uh, no more uh, pursuing ship battles from uh, the side of things. Uh, cool little Easter egg. If you guys didn't notice in that opening battle scene, the targeting software that you get to see on the Razor Crest is actually the same tech uh, that we saw in the first Death Star run in the New Hope on some of the ships. I thought that mm-hmm. that was a call, a cool little callback to again, John Favreau doing some fan service and pulling some of those little tidbits in from, from other films. Yeah, he does a real good job of making sure he keeps, um, and anything, you know, the razor Crest is actually an older model, uh, older ship than the X wing class that was brought into a new hope. Yes. Yeah. It was actually fresh off the line, uh, tech design. In a new hope so still seeing the same tech there was is really cool and like you said good fan service from john which he does an excellent uh job of keeping he pushes the envelopes where he can yeah but moderately and then comes right back and say hey here's more fan service and callbacks <laughs> yeah. to uh previous star wars events and they've they've done a good job with the lore which i've i've really enjoyed so uh, and John's just a good all-around director. He knows how to make the scenes work and and flow together really well. Uh, you know, there there have been a couple of instances in in the show so far that I feel that were uh, it was it was more just kind of screen time than anything. But all in all, the show hasn't taken away from you know a lot of enjoyment. It it has just been a fun ride. So. There's been some people could knock it for some points like some could say this very episode where it took away from the main plot point a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, the Imperials, we, yeah, we saw bounty hunter, but this, what happens in this episode was, um, it was not one of those side points of kind of like he ended up on that forest planet in episode four, episode four. So, yeah. So, uh, I personally, I enjoyed each of one, you know, you take each one as its own little scene, um, things that play, uh, I would kind of play against them is they, they are short episodes compared to what we are used to in a, in a series. Yeah, they are. I so, mean, they're what, 40, maybe 50 minutes long. 45 uh, if minutes. you count the, if you count the recap. The opening Recap. and the credits at the end. Yeah. Yes, they're about 50 minutes. You've probably got 35 minutes worth of show. Maybe 40. Yep. yep. In minutes worth of credits and a recap. But does but in most aspects, they covered the story and the point that they're wanting to talk about at that particular instance. So um, hats off to the director and the team there of and story writers, etc. Yeah on keeping that concise, not feeling like you're missing something or it's too rushed. So, uh, good job there. Um, yeah, I think they've done it. Then we, you know, 
Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think they've done a, a good job of, of pulling the familiarities of the Star Wars universe in so that people uh, kind of connect with it better. And it's not, it's not so new that people don't understand and know what's going on. Like they, they see these uh, connection points. They see things from um, books or previous episodes, previous films, even um, familiar areas, I think is, has been the, the best, best way of tying audience into what they're doing. I think they've done the best job at that. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I'm glad you brought that up because that brings a good point here on the like the next fan service and we're going back on history here is he uh fortune sans has to go in for repairs and would you know it the next closest planet tatooine and if you didn't know tatooine is the home of who one of the most famous characters in the star wars lore ever and that would be anakin skywalker yeah uh which was really cool because we get to go back to uh i think he lands in most Eisley, if not one of the neighboring i think areas yeah i think it was most Eisley. which i i thought they did a, an amazing job comparative to when we first saw most Eisley. uh it was really neat so i mean we've got the we've got some technology now that can uh you know make things happen that George didn't have access to back in the seventies when we first got to see Mos Eisley. Yeah. It almost, it almost like they completely resurrected the town. Cause there, you could almost see along the path that he took the areas that was in a new hope mm-hmm. along the way, even to where it could very well have been the same bar that, uh, Ben Kenobi and, and Luke Skywalker were in when they enlisted Han Solo. Yeah. I mean, that brings up, but a- also told of, uh, no, it brings up a good point. You you mentioned the cantina and you know that scene where Mando walks into the cantina and he talks to he talks to one of the droids and and actually a, a cool little callback is uh the bar droid that he was speaking to mentioned that Oz Isley is no longer uh, home to the bounty guild. So um the possible ownership and and uh, you know the, the running of the town that we we saw back in Luke Skywalker's time with Jabba the Hutt and and kind of the town being run by the Huts may not even they may not even be around anymore. So I thought that was kind of a, a neat little you know callback. But the cantina uh, it looks a lot like the cantina that Luke and Obi Wan walked in said when they when they found Han. So again. It's more fan service, and I think uh, that has been probably the best part of the show for me is that fan service. It's been cool to see. Yeah. It, well, it also kind of showed, going back to most obviously, what, what has happened since the fall of yeah. Jabba the Hutt and the Huts in that area, though. Um, if you're connected to the lore at all, you know it's always a power struggle within the Hutt cartel. So one falls and one should come in to take place, but still, it was pretty pathetic. Uh, compared to the livelihood that we saw in the cantina of a new hope. Yeah, it was, so. it was dead. There was definitely not a lot of action. Well, and I think, uh, I think another scene that uh, goes back to uh, Mose Eisley has kind of always been an outskirt town and, you know, home to outcasts and different things with the huts. 
But the scene where Mando walks in and all of the stormtrooper helmets are placed on top of pikes and just kind of up for viewer uh, people that pass by. I think it just goes to show that, you know, they don't they don't want the Empire there. They don't um, they never liked the Empire. I can let them back in the town. So I thought that was kind of a, you know, cool little callback to it still kind of has that old west. You don't mess with the the outskirts town like this. and. This is what happens if you do. Yeah, absolutely. Show their independence. Yeah. They're no friend to any type of rule. Except for, you know, when you're under the rule of the huts, that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the old gangster. Yep. So that, that was cool there. And anyway, we kind of skipped right over it, but uh, this is this was after he landed. But the actual landing of him was even more nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Because who would... Who, who would appear but or what would appear but three um deck droids or those little little annoying droids that you boop them on the nose and they and they yeah they uh they turn into right up or pop out yeah they turn into these little tin pots yeah the junk bots junk bots yep so well, and three we, of them there yeah and we got to see the junk bots uh back in episode one with uh jar jar actually Yep. I, I just kind of cringed a little bit by saying the name Jar Jar. I never did like his character, <laughs> uh, but uh, he did play a role. So, you know, I, I do I do give him props. He played a role. But yeah, Jar Jar actually, uh, I guess, woke up a, a junk void in uh, Watto's junk shop. Back during the pod yep. races. Mm-hmm. And that's it's funny exactly where they were. Yeah. The, so the junk bots, that's actually what they were originally designed for was uh, they were pod racer mechanics. Uh, they were cheap. And, um, you know, if they broke, they were pretty inexpensive to replace. And they were basically master mechanics to uh, those pods up and, and going. Because most time they got ate up quick and it's pit droids. Pit uh, droids yeah. I can't believe I forgot about that. But yes, pit droids. So, yeah. This is another one of the little comical uh, canon pieces of the Star Wars universe we saw again. So, yeah, fun to see them there. And too bad the Mando didn't actually blow it up. <laughs> he, he missed. It would have been fun to see. Um, or you could say he took a warning shot at it as it tried to get close to a ship. Yeah, he definitely, so. definitely scared him. That's for sure. Uh, in this <laughs> in this episode, we, we even got to see the old Tusken Raiders, which was kind of cool. Yep. Was uh, which. I think some could say brought in because of what happened, brought in a kind of uh, almost a continuity problem, I should say. A little bit. Uh, I would agree with that. In so much that, uh, you know, Mando immediately knew how to, you know, sign language with the Tuscan Raider, whereas Ben Kenobi and Luke Skywalker, it, or at least Ben Kenobi, who had been living in the wilderness for almost 16 years, right. 15, 18 years, didn't didn't yeah but then again you know the only chance he only interaction he had with tuscan raiders was a group of them and he went the whole i'm gonna scare you off instead of trying to communicate so you could argue either side of that yeah well i think uh yeah it does bring up a continuity issue i think i think the other thing um well the biggest thing for me seeing the raiders I think after Mando communicated with them through sign language, they, you know, spoke in their own language and communicated with one another, but it wasn't in sign language. So 
I don't know. There's a little bit of disconnect there for me because how can, how can you talk to something and know that you're saying the right thing if you don't even understand their language and what they're supposed to be saying to one another? So that was the biggest continuity. That's, That's the biggest continuity yeah. issue that I had with it. Uh, but from a fan service, it was still neat to see um, them in a, in, in a hole. Like they're still there in the sand dunes and, uh, you know, here you've got Mando and this new bounty hunter and they're doing a taking speeders across the the sands. And that actually kind of reminded me of Anakin when he went all rage mode and took his speeder out to uh, the Tuscan Raiders village and went nuts on him. Yep. Flashback. His speeder back. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it definitely was a, a, a good, I thought the exact same thing. Uh, seeing them go go out there uh, because the Mando had uh, officially bef- not really befriended but a wannabe bounty hunter uh, Toro had you know said hey I need your help or you know I want to get in the bounty hunters guild he's trying to take on this this mark which Mando immediately knows who this mark is <laughs> and knows that it's kind of a it's, you don't want to take this on right it's way out of his league uh yeah, way out of his league and maybe even way out of, you know, could could argue it's out of Mando's league uh, in a sense of how he spoke of her, which was the assassin Fennec Shand, mm-hmm. which actually was played by one of my, uh, uh, an actor that I really like seeing on screen, Ming-Na Wen, uh, which uh, if you guys don't know who that is, if you guys watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., she is considered the Calvary. And probably one of the most BA characters in all of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I actually didn't even know that because I've only watched about two episodes of Agents. <laughs> I never I never did get into it for whatever reason. Yep. So and she does really good at, in a lot of her other. Uh, shows or uh, movies as well and really everything she's in. That's cool. So. It's, it's neat to see the, uh, the different Disney characters that John Favreau has used in, in other productions of, you know, um, big pieces that they own now. Like, like you said, Marvel, we've got somebody from that side of things. And then, um, he's used, uh, voice actors that have played in, uh, the Clone Wars TV series. There's, there's mm-hmm. been a, there's been a lot of, a lot of cool little tidbits that, you know, if you if you aren't dug deep into the Star Wars lore, you probably never would even notice it. Um, but it's little things that nerds like me and Victus were like, hey, I know that guy. I know that voice. Yep. For sure. Uh, and all the different ones. And like he's he's thrown in like actual directors as part of yeah. part of their pieces. Uh, apparently, Toro, the actor that plays him, Jake. Uh, is actually son of actor Bobby Kennevel, which so you, you got some call outs there. Different inclusions across the board. But really, I was just once I found out Aming was in Star Wars, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get to her episode. Yeah. And she she plays another B.A. character. She does. I, um, I, I kind of wish they wouldn't have killed her off so fast. I wanted to I wanted to see her they? be a, a bigger is part. She did? I don't know that she's dead. Finnick? From, you're talking about Ming, right? Yeah. 
her character. Yeah. Finnick. I don't know that she's dead. You don't. I mean, she took a shot. Maybe, you don't. Maybe she's. Maybe she's not. You don't. I hold. Ho- I hold that hope. Okay. I I was just taking it that she had died in that scene after taking you know <laughs> a couple of blaster shots to the chest at point blank range, but that doesn't mean that she couldn't have yeah. something on and you know be uh, deceptive and and you know playing the smart card. Uh, I mean, yeah, don't 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 tear down my hopes. She is an assassin. So of somebody all stood things. next to her, like, yeah. And, and, you know, she faked it and she's still alive and there will be well, another episode with her included. So, I mean, that we're, <laughs> we're basically at the end of the episode. If you haven't watched up to this one, you know, the whole episode was about Mando repairing his ship. And in the process, the reason he's out doing this is because he didn't have enough credits to pay the repair lady to take care of the ship. So he went out into the town and see if he could find a job. Well, they found a job and he's, you know, tagging along with this Toro, this bounty hunter. And, uh, at the end of it, we meet Finnick and she ends up, uh, you know, I think dying, but Victus has another plot theory. Uh, but we see something at the end of the show and I don't know. I, I don't know really who it was. I mean, there's definitely some plot theories and there's a lot of people pointing in one direction and I don't think it's right. But the end of the scene, you see somebody walking up to Finnick's body and kneeling over her. So uh, there's, there's a couple of theories out there that point to Boba Fett and I don't know. I thought that got retconned that Boba actually did die in the Sarlacc pit. But there's other theories out there that say that um, it wasn't truly retconned and that they found his armor with some teeth marks and some acid burns like he was trying to be digested, but apparently was spit out. So some people are thinking that that person that was kneeling over her was actually Boba Fett. Yeah, I think... I mean, this this is not the first time people have tried to include Boba Fett as different, you know, different parts of Mandalorian because he's one of the only, and up until this time that I actually read about it, um, uh, Mandalorian. He's actually not. Yeah, he's not. Uh, yeah, neither was his dad. His dad wasn't Mandalorian either. And, um, and according to, go ahead. Well, you said he's not. Um. The question I've got with that is where the heck did he get that armor from? That's a great question. Uh, (laughs) And actually the reason why I'm going to say he's not a Mandalorian is because of a single sentence um, spoke about by one of the prime ministers of Mandalore. When Obi-Wan brought up to him uh, about a bounty hunter he encountered, Django. They're like, no, he's just a rogue bounty hunter. We have no idea where he got his armor. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, going off of that sentence is me saying that Django and thereby Bulba were not Mandalorians uh, so far. If you don't include the legend stuff, right? But you know the armor. You know it looks he could have stolen it off a Mandalorian or whoever, and so thereby we get the similarities here. Same type of look, same type of pattern to the armor itself. Um. That's true. I, I, I don't think it is. I, I think 
according to canon and the pieces you can put together right now of actual um not legend lore he's dead he's as far as the story goes he is still digesting over a thousand years in the belly of the sarlacc right and that's what i've always taken it as but uh you know uh we'll see what happens hopefully they don't pull boba back in Uh, i think boba served his purpose in time and he was one of the greatest characters in the star wars uh time but i think uh you know we've got new ones so yeah <laughs> lay boba to rest yeah he would honestly if he was brought into the story he would overshadow who and what the mandalorian is like he would overshadow our us tracking along with the mandalorian yeah um as far as a story standpoint people would be so focused on him well just the so, things that he did i mean he was he was a henchman for Vader for crying out loud. Yep. So, well, hired bounty hunter, he, right? He, Cause he was going to cash in on Han Solo's body and get him over Jabba. He was, so. I mean, it, there wasn't, it's not like Vader and Boba were, you know, drinking buddies and, you know, sit around and, you know, <laughs> talked about all the good old times, but he, he was definitely a hired henchman. Um, Boba didn't really have any loyalties to anybody. So he, mm-hmm. he truly was, uh, his own person. He didn't didn't report to anyone. Cool. Yep. So I personally I have no idea because all we see is boots. Yeah. Of whoever walks up to this. Yeah. Phoenix. Uh, okay, we'll go with you, body. Uh, as she lay there. So that. I don't know. Yeah. It, and then we see nothing else, so we can go ahead and like cover. We see nothing else of whoever this is for the rest, as far as we know, for the rest of the episodes. Well, I mean, we, to the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, we see we see this guy. And, well, could be a girl. I don't know. Could be an alien of some sort. Kneel over Phoenix. Um, we're. I'm going with she's dead. Victus is going. She's playing possum. But whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever she's doing. Um, we we see this scene with the. The person kneeling over her body and then credits roll. Um, pretty much, pretty much the end of the show. We get a little bit with uh, Mando and Toro at the end. You know, Mando goes back. He he pays for his ship for the repairs that were done. He takes care of Toro because Toro actually thought, "Hey, I'll turn on Mando and I'll I'll try to be the you know cool guy here." And right. that didn't work out so well for him. Nope. Oh, Toro gone. Yeah, Toro, Toro <laughs> lasted for a good 30 minutes in the episode, and he was out. Yep. Smart guy trying to take on a seasoned bounty hunter. Yeah, not, 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 not so smart. <laughs> yep. Not so smart. And I, I like the fact that they named this episode The Gunslinger. Uh, again, another really cool callback to all those old Western films. Uh, if you ever watched any John Wayne movies or any of the old school cowboy films, there was always the old seasoned cowboy that, that had this up and comer gunslinger that was going to try to make a name for himself by standing out in the streets and, you know, taking the, the old seasoned cowboy on and shooting him down. And it never worked ever. So yeah, cool, cool callback to the old Western films. Let me, you know, Leaves up his chairs with the boots of whoever that owns, and it jumps into another um, non-main plot episode. So uh, two back to back there yeah. uh, of what's going on. Yeah, but this one was 
him. Was he? Oh, he was just looking for credits. That's what he was trying to get some money. Yeah, he was literally Go trying on. to get money to repair his ship. That was all this episode was really about. Uh, we did get a little bit of some tidbits on Mando. You know, we got to see some more flashbacks from him. But other than that, to me, this episode was truly about uh, him trying to get this child uh, into a safe place, repair his ship and be on his way. And he just happened to stumble on this assassin who was out looking for him because they found this, you know, bounty. Right. Oh, right. A little bit of a filler episode to me, but still had some good content. A little, uh, you know, little hook there at the end that I hope they circle back to. I hope it's not one of those where they leave it hanging. Well, I think, I mean, just kind of covering this episode as generic, I think this one was kind of a a quick callback to his history of who he was before or like his before this time that we're now watching him. When he did do, uh, you know, he apparently we're now running into his crew, right? Uh, People that employed him before this point of doing different things. So his old uh, his old buddies. Um, I don't think they were ever buddies. <laughs> yep. I think we see, we see two new people and two people from his past, including the one that hires him yeah. to do this job. And then a female Twi'lek, um, yeah. comes on the scene, which apparently knows him very well, uh, from several jobs. Huh. So yeah, they, they had an intimate thing. <laughs> yeah. They had something going, <laughs> they had something going on. Uh, I, that would be a strange relationship. I don't know how that one worked out for him. <laughs> yep. She was a little, little on the crazy side. She, yeah, she was a little cuckoo for sure. Yeah, but uh, Mando's not all that sane either. Uh, you know, he he may be smart and he may be a, a great bounty hunter, but I think you got to be a little cuckoo to be in that business, anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. So we we see him go to this remote station. He tries to set up for a job. The guy brings him in and starts talking to all his crew. Um. Now I'll let you go ahead and cover the little tidbits about Mayfield. Uh, yeah. So if you guys have seen this episode, uh, Mando flies into this barge, this giant scrap heap floating through space, uh, meets his old partner. And uh, his old partner's name is Ren. And Ren basically passes the buck to a new character that we get introduced to, Mayfield. And Mayfield is going to be running point on this new mission that uh, they have requested the services of Mando for. And this whole setup to me feels like nothing but a a plot twist to really kind of capture Mando and get him in a pickle, right? But one of the cool things that happened in the beginning of this was um, Ren is explaining to Mando that Mayfield's going to take point on this and they're explaining his background. And Ren says, Hey, you know, Mayfield, uh, one of the best shots out there because he used to be an Imperial sharpshooter and Mando's instant comment was, well, that's not saying a whole lot. And it just <laughs> it plays right on the whole fact that uh, Ren uh, Mayfield came back and said, dude, I wasn't a stormtrooper," <laughs> which right. I love because yep. all throughout time, uh, and it's even memes today. 
people know that stormtroopers are terrible shots and and they play on that a well, lot. I mean, basically now it's canon, right? People just like, oh yeah, it's stormtroopers, horrible shot, blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, but. Now it's actually canon and known inside the Star Wars universe that stormtroopers are terrible shots. They're bad shots. And <laughs> and and we actually over the next couple of episodes that we're talking about, we we see it a couple of different times where uh John Favreau played in some really cool little instances that uh yeah, stormtroopers just kind of suck at shooting things. Yeah. They so, do. Yeah, uh neat little easter egg. I thought that was uh, I thought that was cool. But uh yeah, this this episode to me, again, it was just kind of Mando reconnecting with his old crew and a little bit off topic. It seemed this one was kind of out of the left field, but all in all, I liked this episode. I did. I've liked all of them, but there have been a couple of things and this. This chapter to me was one of those that felt I don't know. It it felt like a big setup just from the from the get go. Like you you meet Rin and he's like this big old nasty looking slime ball and you just you know he's dirty and uh you know Mayfield is just lying through his teeth. So they're you know they they're definitely setting Mando up for sure. Yep. And honestly it was um uh, another part of the crew that was brought in was uh, Q90, or they just called him Zero, the Zero. little droid. Yeah, the droid. Yep, that was going to be the pilot. And you immediately start seeing this um, reprehension from Mando towards this droid. He's like, uh, that thing's not coming on my ship. Oh, yeah. Uh, or, you know, going that way, you know, just because for all intents and purposes, yes, this thing could kill, but it's actually on his team, but he just still didn't want to do anything with it. And I think so uh, I see I see this episode as as a whole builder on the backstory and kind of the character that is Mando uh, across the board. And there's other pieces that play in across the episode too. Yeah, I agree. Definitely agree. Well, and I think uh you know by this time we're we're seeing that apprehension to the droids because of the flashbacks that we've seen. We've learned a little bit yep. on on the Mando's backstory. At this time, because, uh, you know, droids that had invaded his city. And so there's definitely the apprehension there. That's why it isn't. This is just another instance. I'm not trusting a robot. Yep. Yep. And we all, you know, that all goes back to when he was hit. His parents were killed during the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the siege of Mandalore from the Separatists and clankers that were there, etc. So. Yep. Another uh so we're going through his crew right now. We talked about the Twi Lake, but then also we see uh uh Deveronian yes. named Berg come in as the quote unquote muscle. The muscle. As I just did air quotes that you guys can't see. This this isn't um, the first Deveronian we've seen either. We actually got to uh, see one back in uh Return was it the Return of the Jedi? so i want to say it was return of the jedi one of the one of the scenes they had and they never named the guy they showed but he was in there so a little bit different facial features than what uh what this one had in mandalorian but not the first time we've seen him i think we see him in new hope too in the he a deveronian a very 
Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Initial markup initial of markup. a Dipperonian yeah. was in the bar. Yeah. So. Yep. I've seen them several times across. Uh, a very prominent one. Uh, the Zago. He was in the Rebels. Oh, uh, that's right. TV animated yeah, the TV, show. The animated TV series. For Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I remember that. So. I never did finish watching all that, but I do remember him being in. Uh, little tidbits here and there, but I, I think what was most uh, interesting and, and fascinating that who they got to play this Berg was none other than Clancy Brown. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah. if you watched uh, uh, Starship Trooper, Shawshank, uh, yeah. he was in Thor Ragnarok. He's made some iconic movies. He, he really. Uh, I mean, he's, a, he's an iconic character and he kind of plays. He gets and puts in those. Those spots where he really stands out. Um, usually a, a tall, hulking type of person. Oh, yeah, he's huge. I mean, the guy is yep. like 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six in real life. Oh, fun fact he played Alec Ryder. He was the voice of Alec Ryder in Mass Effect Andromeda. So, the dad. Okay. So, yeah, he's, so, yeah, he's a lot of voiceovers uh, too across the, across the realms. Yeah, definitely, definitely had some cool roles. Um, he was he was hilarious in um, uh, stormtroopers, not stormtroopers, um, <laughs> starship troopers. <laughs> it was funny. Starship, yes, yeah. Uh, he played. He basically played the drill sergeant that uh, trained the marines, which yep. uh, which was a perfect part for him. Yeah, <laughs> he usually gets stuck in kind of that gruff. Yeah, uh, you know, not a whole lot of feeling, not a whole lot of motion character. Right. So, this was another good one where. Some could say he wasn't allowed to shine as well because he kind of played the muscle part. Yeah. Uh, but still, um, uh, it fit. Uh, it, it really did, I think, in how, who he was playing. Uh, uh, honestly, the heist goes, uh, there was one part where it kind of gets a little wrench thrown in where they fig- uh, Mando realizes that instead of just attacking a random uh kind of got caught up with the enemy, whoever that may be, maybe a random guild bounty hunter, whatever it may be, this person they're trying to rescue, he figures out they're actually hitting a new Republic prison transport. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's not, not hard to get onto super, no. super easy, you know, new Republic. Uh, oh, the other cool thing <laughs> I shouldn't say cool. The other thing he figured out was, uh, this is a, um, basically prison that is no it is not manned by human beings it is mm-hmm. manned by droids yep which is from what we've seen in the episode they have normal uh mouse droids to alt-right assault droids yeah. uh coming in and protecting the ship which is very odd for what we've seen in even the legacy lore uh, we see them used casually throughout the legacy lore up until it becomes a necessity again especially during the Yusin Vong uh, book series of the New Jedi Order but up until the point and because of like the droids that were used during the Clone Wars people kind of shy away from them at least in the story writing uh, and how it's played out and here it's just like New Republic established up here ship full of um, pretty good battle droids 
Yeah, uh, definitely upgraded from the clankers we see during the Clone Wars. Oh yeah, heavily armored. Uh, yep. Definitely, definitely packing some firepower. And uh, we got to see some cool stuff from Mando because the uh, you know the rest of his crew, the bounty hunter team, kind of hides around the corner looking at these things, going, "Well, don't know really what we're gonna do." And here, here Mando comes, taking on all of them by himself, and wipes out I don't know what, like six or seven of them. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. I think there's, I think there was four in that particular hallway, and also he takes them all out. Uh, a, a little, little rough spot here. He does take a punch or two but he is able to eliminate all of them and uh mayfield actually is like okay this guy's pretty impressive yeah uh and then has to remark uh make sure you clean up your mess to the mandalorian yeah but it does show that mandalorian is able to hold his own in any scrap you know come into any fight he can figure out how to take it on he's resourceful definitely resourceful resourceful so um yeah i think I think it was mentioned before this point, but it really was solidified here that we figure out the age of the Racer Crest. Yeah. The ship that uh, Mandalore's a Mandalorian ship uh, apparently is predates Imperial and New Republic. Uh, So, you know, maybe during the time of towards the end of the Old Republic, possibly even before the Clone Wars existed. Yeah, probably. Well, it has the same body style as some of those uh, transport ships from the Clone Wars. So, you know, this may be maybe some of the, the early models of this thing. Like it's no longer on the grid. And that's why that's why Mando was chosen. That's why Ren reached out to him. And that's why they got his ship. And that was actually mentioned in the episode when Ren was talking to him. Yep. Uh, they brought him in and like, you know, the code here is we don't ask questions. And they got to mentioning that, uh, hey, uh, you've got a ship that's no longer on the grid of the Republic or the Imperial side. And that that's kind of when you saw the, the click with Mando of, ah, that's why you got me here. You didn't need me. You needed my ship. You needed my ship. And uh, it, you're just bringing me along. And, and that's when I knew it was an absolute trap. Yeah, so I agree. Yeah. I was like, oh, something, they're going to do something. Yeah. And there was like pretty good giveaways. They were whispering and the side glances with the Mando's back turn. Yep. So, uh, but unfortunately Mando didn't see any of those and thereby when they finally rescued what come to be the brother of the female Twi'lek, they immediately kicked Mando's butt right in the cell and closed the door. So, yeah. And take off running. Yeah. So I guess, you know, good plan. The the whole plan was to uh, lock him in this new Republic prison transport held by droids. Mm -hmm. Good plan. It definitely backfired on him, though, because uh, big time, you know, he's the best bounty hunter around. He found his way out. And and then it was funny because he kind of played with him, you know, by shutting all the doors, turning the lights off, <laughs> screwing with him. And uh, it was cool because at the end of the show, I thought he had killed him. But I did, uh, too. I thought, OK, wow. Yeah, because there was different points. It was like, OK. He had a knife to her throat. He slammed a door on the dude's face, oh, on I, Berg's face. Yeah, I thought I thought Berg's face was crushed when he slammed that door into it. <laughs> I thought so too. Uh, then Mayfield, he doesn't really show what happens to him, but it kind of plays into another horror where the light starts flashing. You see the Mando kind of slowly walk up behind him, and Mayfield realizes, lets out a cry of "No!" Yeah, and that's all we know. 
Yeah. Um, then basically, Mando's after the final guy. Yeah, the brother. The brother. Um, doesn't shoot him, but uh, kind of works out that, you know, he takes him. Um, he, you know, he quote unquote, conv- he thinks he convinces the Mandalore Mandalorian to bring him safely back to Ren. Yeah. Well, he did. Uh, he did. Absolutely. <laughs> With the twist. Um, <laughs> But uh, during the little scrap, they had uh, inadvertently let a single human occupant of the ship activate a distress signal to the so new, they Republic. Knew new Republic to the new Republic. So they knew firepower was on the way to blow them because this was a max security prison transport. And they're like, well, we'd rather not let anybody get out. So we're just going to blow it up. Yeah. Uh, so they knew they knew time was ticking and. Uh, you know, they get back. And we knew a double double cross was going to happen. Oh, for sure. So Mando, Mando plays against him. He's like, you know, Rand's asked, Where, "Where's the rest?" And Mando's like, "No questions asked." You know, they kind of leave with the whole understanding. He gets back in his ship, takes off, and Rand's like, "Get him!" All right, deal's done. All right, we're going to take this Mandalorian out. So. And come to find out, he had in, uh, Mando had put the distress beacon inside the dude's back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's cool because the, uh, the the New Republic had sent these three X wings at the end of the episode. So yeah, like you said, double cross X wings end up showing up, blowing the barge up, and uh, the end of the episode, you see um, his old crew stuck in the prison cell of this new Republic prison barge. So instead of killing them, he locked them away together in a uh, prison barge. I thought that was cool. Yep. So it could, it could sum up either his character of, he gets just desserts on people that tried to imprison him. So instead of killing them, he's just like, ah, it's gonna lock you away. Yeah. Aha. Karma. Or that is playing into his personality. Whereas if he doesn't have to kill, he won't kill. Because we also we we already see that with that person that was that lone person right. officer as part of the bridge. Mando's yeah. trying to defuse the situation by talking him down, saying we just want this guy, we'll be gone. Yeah, he doesn't you want know, him dead. He doesn't want him dead. Unfortunately, the tweet kills him. But <laughs> right, we we see that character start to show out there, and even more so when he doesn't kill any of the people that just backstabbed him. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was it was definitely a good episode. I'm, I I enjoyed it. Um, you know, like I said, a few fillers here and there, but I really enjoyed. It. Um, well, we can't we can't leave this episode with without calling out the like the greatest part of the episode was zero unbeknownst. Uh, well, they they'd they'd found out that Mandalore uh, the Mandalorian was taking care of this. They didn't know what it was. But baby Yoda, the thing, yes, and the child the thing. I don't think zero realized it was there either. But he was uh, trying to guide everybody back to the ship while the Mandalorian was uh, hunting them down. But then zero realizes there's something else here. Yeah. And so he starts hunting it throughout the ship, you know, and we figure out that baby Yoda can actually hide very well. <laughs> Zero finds him. 
raises his blaster to go shoot baby Yoda. And all of a sudden you see his chest explode. Uh, well, he raises blaster and then baby Yoda just kind of reaches out his hand to try to do something with the force to him. And his chest explodes and zero falls over. And then baby Yoda just looks at his hand like, like, wait a minute. Did I do that? How did I do this? Yeah. <laughs> but it was actually Mandalore, the Mandalorian uh, shot zero in the back. Yeah. Because he had just back got to the, the ship. ship. So, yeah, I, I bust out laughing when I saw that. Yeah. I really did. Those kind of comedy bits. And they're put in such crucial areas too. Um, seven, seven and episode seven and eight had some really good moments that were um, around baby Yoda as well. No, but just want to make sure we included that in there because that was yeah, it was apt. kind of a it was kind of a cool little awesome uh, yeah, it was a good way to send off the episode and uh, yeah, I think I think we've had a really solid one through six. It set a good foundation. A lot of people have seen you know what Mando can do. I think honestly, seven and chapter seven and chapter eight really brought the show home. Just kind of set the tone for what they're going to be doing in season two to me. Oh, I uh, completely agree. It was the, you know, it immediately starts off with um, a, a reconnecting of all the areas that the Mando had been through yeah. back to one point. Um, mainly because he's now trying to clear his name uh, because he's been given an offer by grief to, you know, Hey, the Imperials are here. They've basically taken over the place. We now want to enlist your help. Bring the kid as bait. Once we see whoever has the current bounty on him, then you can just kill him. And your guild debt will be wiped. So like they're. You know, he'll be welcomed back into the guild as, you know, a bounty hunter. Right. So he. He knew it was a trap. Oh, he absolutely. Knew it was, and you could see that from dialogue, but it was a trap that had to be strung for something that was too good to not do. I think, uh, you know, like you said, he knew it was a trap, uh, but I think he also understands the importance of, of this baby Yoda child that we have in this show. So for whatever reason, the Imperials are after him and want this kid. So he knows it's important. And I think up until this point, you know, he's just kind of been bonding with this thing that he's given him toys and, uh, you know, he's kind of become dad almost, which has been kind of cool to see. Yep. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think Mando is doing the right thing. Uh, we get to see Cara Dune back in chapter seven again. She has returned, mm -hmm. which is cool. Like they're uh, kind of making her a little more mainstream and giving her some screen time again. So, you know, she was a, uh, a shock trooper. So she's kind of BA herself and has done a lot of butt kicking in her day. So Mando goes. Well, that, and Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think Mando and her make a good team. And I like the fact that they're, oh, yeah. they're playing on that, which is nice. Well, she is the only one to almost best the Mandalorian yeah. in a combat situation. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, definitely so. But we also see a little inkling of what drives Kara in that, you know, first she's like, I've I'm 
disappeared. I can't be involved again. I just want to, you know, live my life out here right. away from you know, people up until he goes, we're going against the Imperial uh, Imperials. It's like I'm in. So you immediately know there's some bad beef between her and the Empire. Oh, yeah. Some really bad beef that even staying in hiding won't keep her there. Yeah, her, her that whole, was that was her interesting. Mentality we, we, changed at that point. Yeah, we I'm pretty sure we figured out the answer later and we'll get to that. But yeah. at that point, it was a OK, you really hate the Empire for some reason. Yeah. So I, I do like what they did with this episode because Lando knows it's a trap, but he also knows that he can't go alone by himself. He's got to have help. Um, so he goes, he recruits Kara. And uh, he also goes and recruits Quill, which was cool. Yep. Um, I love I love the the character that Quill brought in. He was kind of that that mentor figure. You know, Mando wants his services for protecting the kids. So their original was, you know, we want to leave the baby with you. And uh, <laughs> it was interesting because they're they're sitting there having a you know, a cup of tea and talking things over uh, with this IG unit that Quill went back to the town and recaptured after the previous battle that Mando had had there, took this IG unit and has reprogrammed this thing to be a mm-hmm. now nurse droid of all things. He's no longer a hunter. He's a nurse droid. So he's he's to serve and protect people, which... We know Mando doesn't trust droids and has a problem with this thing. And so I I like where the show is going with with kind of this build of Mando's personality. And you kind of see a more human side of him in the instances with baby Yoda and some of the characters that he begins trusting. So I do like that. How they're doing this. Yeah, especially the reconnect here. And then this is really the first time we actually see and hear the Ugnaught's name because he says it because Mando's like hey I'll pay you Ugnaught he's like I have a name it's Quill yeah (laughs) that was cool and he immediately jumps in uh, to to wanting to help but not so much take care of baby Yoda he just says I'm coming with you and it was a I'm coming with you Um, IG-11 can watch the, the baby and I'm bringing my Bergs with me and the Mando goes, the Bergs, which are those little two-legged, two-legged uh, beasts that Quill beast has tamed. Sort. Yeah. And he has to include a, I have spoken type of, <laughs> yeah. we're doing this and yes. there's nothing you can say about it. Right. So. Uh, the other, the other cool part about this was Quill actually talked to him about the baby, the baby Yoda, right? Yep. And was mentioning to him that. Uh, this species, this thing doesn't look like it's been engineered or cloned, right? Um, and the one quote that he mentioned was, this thing is too ugly and it looks like it's been naturally evolved. So I think that's kind of a cool little piece as well. They're keeping some questions, a little bit of mystery around what this character of Baby Yoda is because there's been the rumors, is he a clone of Yoda? Is he not? Is he a, a species of Yoda that, uh, you know, has been unnamed? Because George never named uh, the species that Yoda was. So, oh. uh, and in fact, there was a behind the scenes in The Mandalorian where George was actually sitting down with John 
uh, George was like, look, um, I didn't name this species and I never got around to it. So sorry, man, that job's on you now. You get to figure it out. And I thought that was just, I thought that was really cool to see some behind the scenes. Like George is like, Oh, I'm so excited for this. I love what you're doing. Uh, but this is your baby now. Like I created my baby. I created this universe. Uh, but I don't want to name this species. Like I'm, I'm passing the, the torch and passing the buck. Right. I thought that was cool. That's a that's a big burden to be able to completely think up the back oh history God. of one of the most, most iconic infamous species in all of Star Wars ever, like in ever. Fi- in film history, and just in general. I think in movie history, Yoda is known <laughs> for all kinds of things. So, if not now, Baby Yoda is now. Oh my gosh, uh, more popular. <laughs> Across baby, everybody. Yeah, Baby Yoda has hit the hit the streets with stardom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it was really cool watching um, kind of the rebuilding of IG-11 and how Quill had had to teach him yeah. how to be a droid again. Like he rewired everything and the droid had to learn his balance and learn his systems and then learn how to function being a being like you called it a nurse droid or a servant droid yeah. instead of a hunter. That's one of the reasons why Mando didn't trust him because he because he is of a hardware of an IG, which is hunters. He figured that it's his base coding to be a hunter. It will revert back to it at some point. Yeah. And so he just didn't trust it. Yeah, I think uh, I think the cool part with IG is, like you said, getting to see him uh, kind of reprogrammed as a droid and how to do things. That was neat, you know, watching watching Quill like do basic things of holding a cup and pouring liquid into it without crushing the cup. And you saw that build over time where now he's gentle enough with his hands that he can pour a cup of tea and not break the cup and you know not crush the you know, pottery that he does. That, that was really cool. I didn't, I did like that. So, uh, I think, I think IG is, you know, one of my more, uh, favorite characters in the show. I like what they've done with him. He was cool as a, a killer droid in the very first, but I, I do like the fact that they brought him as a, uh, a nurse droid, more of a protector of the baby Yoda character and, and even, even Mando. So I like that he's become that, uh, sidekick. Do I do think um, you know we'll see more of IG units hopefully later down the road? It may not be the same exact IG unit we have here, but hopefully we get more. I think they make uh, a cool add-on to the show. But one of the one of the sure. inter- one of the interesting parts though was as Mando and Kara, Will, and this IG unit Baby Yoda they're in the ship and they are flying back to this destination to go meet uh you know grief and figure out what what is all going on the the ig unit um steps in and goes hey i'm making uh i'm making dinner will you guys will you guys be eating in the uh the cockpit or you will you be joining us down at the, the dining table per se uh i don't know it's just those those little subtle instances of showing that he's been reprogrammed and he is he's willing to make those nuances known to mando 
I thought was a cool little like, hey, this this robot has changed. And it, it just kind of went into showing that Mando can trust this droid. But again, neat little uh, neat little nuances that they add. Yeah, well, I, I, up until that, you know, even at that point, Mando still hated that droid's guts. Oh, absolutely. For being a droid. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's like, I'm, I'm not hungry. Like, I'm not. Because you are serving it, I'm not going to eat anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I think right before that, when we were just panning to the ship, uh, and this is kind of debated uh, across kind of the kind of the, the lore people of Star Wars is. Kara and Mando were having a friendly arm wrestling um, match. Arm wrestling match to see yeah. who's to take it. Um, props to Kara for holding her own. Of course, she's a shock trooper, <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, they were having a friendly arm wrestling contest, and and Baby Yoda sitting over there, and uh, apparently thinks they are actually fighting because next thing you know, he is actually force choking Kara, uh, which is. I think an odd thing to have at that point also shows his kind of innocence of using the force. Yeah. Because he, he knows he has access to all these abilities, but some say using force choke is a dark side ability. Uh, and then others argue that, um, and I'm kind of up there. It's just an ability of the force. It's how you use it. His was innocent. His was trying to, save his friend his you know amando right and we even saw luke skywalker use the same thing in return of the jedi so uh, yeah good point still kind of up to date of how how you want to look at that but it was um well if you really want to get into it it's kind of weird that he would see her as an enemy being that he she's been around was with she's been around they were on the on the force planet um fighting off the raiders so yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, so while my wife and I were sitting there watching the episode, she made a good point. She said, well, even though Baby Yoda is, you know, this creature and, and you know, he's got a brain and connected, she actually made the correlation that it's like a like a pet, like a dog. You know, there are there are certain breeds of dogs that um, they they basically their loyalty is with one person of the family even if they know the other people um, and, and you, you may start roughhousing or whatever. And, and the dog kind of goes into that protection mode and is really not, you know, angry and trying to do something towards another person in the house, but they see their human, um, you know, in something they don't understand. So they go into that like instinctive, I got to protect them mode. Right. So that's, that's sure. kind of the direction that she went. Maybe he wasn't actually trying to hurt her. He just, it was the instinct and the force took over. Yeah, so, I can absolutely see that. And, that. and mostly because, you know, it plays into his innocence of being young. Right. right. So it, the, his loyalty overcomes it all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Uh, well, and baby Yoda actually used, uh, you know, some pretty cool things here because, uh, yeah, we, we get to see him force choking Laura. Uh, but we also see him uh, force healing grief uh, at a later point after they meet and, uh, you know, they're they're hanging out waiting to come into the city. The the group of them actually get attacked by some uh, winged beasts that uh, get a hold of grief and he ends up getting poisoned. Uh, and we see 
baby Yoda reach his hand out and touch grief and use, use the force and heals him. But, uh, yeah, I like that they're showing some of his skills and showing that he's actually growing. It was kind of cool to see because in this one where he is, you know, force choking Kara, um, really doesn't see any noticeable difference in, in his body after he's done. And same with, uh, when he force healed grief, you know, he did that, but there really wasn't a, he didn't pass out. He didn't, you know, it wasn't like this weird coma for three or four days. Like he was with uh, Mando trying to pick up this giant mud beast back in the, you know, third episode or whatever it was. So I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. Maybe, maybe baby Yoda is actually getting stronger. Maybe that was actually the first time in all of Star Wars cinema, both anime and movies that we've seen a force heal ability. Yeah. Now we've seen them been referenced in lore in books. And also it's one of the main abilities ever used in any of the star Wars, uh, RPGs yeah. that exist out there from, especially in the KOTOR KOTOR one and two, that was one of your main abilities to use was a force heal. It was just an ability that you had. Yeah. And, good. uh, if you, <laughs> We're going to bring up midi chlorians here. Um, so I, I probably drove away some listeners right there. <laughs> if you reference back to Darcidius and then um, Plagueis the Wise, he talked about having such an ability of the force that he could heal people, keep people from dying. Right. Uh, ironically enough, as soon as we see this episode, Rise of the Skywalker hits and spoiler alert, we see the same abilities being used in Rise of the Skywalker as some type of long lost uh, force technique. Yeah. Not necessarily dark side or light side. It's just a force. It's te- just a force technique. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's cool to see the science. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I agree with you. Uh, it does seem like Baby Yoda is getting stronger to be able to use his abilities more and more. Uh, and so he and that 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 particular part is what brings grief over to the Mando side because up until this point he was planning on betraying them yeah. and taking the prize back to the Imperials so he takes out his two bounty hunters that are with, with him and they devise a plan uh, send the baby back with Quill to the ship to take refuge while they go in and trick the Imperial to carry out the original objective, which was just to kill it, kill the Imperial. But they realize they're kind of in over their heads because more and more backup is there for an Imperial side, more and more stormtroopers. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, and then a twist. Yeah. They, they learned that, uh, this Imperial officer that, uh, they've been speaking with and, you know, had the original bounty on, but, uh, is not actually the main guy. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting this twist. Really, I wasn't. I wasn't either. Uh, this was this was a nice little, uh, uh, nice little surprise because we we actually get introduced to a brand new character, and uh, name is Moff Gideon. So, yep. Uh, which, as far as the lore goes, he's he's an unknown Moff. Yeah. Um, which for those out you that don't know, Moff is actually a very high status. In the yeah, Star Wars universe. Extremely high. Um, uh, 
even have Moff Tarkin before he became a Grand Moff yeah. right before he died on the Death, Death Star when he was first blown up. But uh, yeah, so either this guy got it after the fall of the Empire or during, but he is of a very high status. I'm um, I'm guessing that Moff was around when you know Tarkin was. I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, Moff is probably a succeeder of some sort. Possibly, um, I think it's more of a ward station. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Just from a, you look at his age. I'm thinking age wise, he may have been around back then. Yeah, no background on this eating, so he hasn't been mentioned anywhere before. Yeah, I I wasn't uh, able I wasn't able to find anything on him. Uh, so I'm I'm really really excited to see what they do with this character. He's Kind of hardcore. How very. And especially <laughs> the actor that plays him uh, oh, is yeah. yeah, such. He's another one of my favorites that I love seeing on screen because he's played in several aspects and usually is the very. Um, at first, uh, kind of arch villain of it, and then he gets knocked down in status. And so then he kind of realizes, oh, I need to kind of play both sides. He's very fluid about where his stance is with. Is he evil? Is he not? Uh, I've seen him play that kind of role a lot. But if you watch The Walking Dead, he plays in that. He does. Uh, and he's good at it. A notable little uh, tidbit that I kind of like is mainly come on a big Destiny fan is he played in one of the very first trailers for Destiny. Yeah. Um, Destiny 1, which I still go back and listen to just because he's uh, his voice is oh, uh, really has, good for reading out stuff. Yeah, he has an iconic uh, voiceover voice. Voice over voice, voice over voice, voice, voice over voice, voice. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, in that episode, oh, then there was a, a type of trooper we haven't seen since Rogue One. Well, that was when we first got introduced to him. Was Rogue One? Yep. Uh, it's oh. the it's the Death Troopers. If you guys uh, if you guys remember seeing those, the the all black, uh, kind of towering anyways from the from the lore and stuff that uh, is written about the death troopers they actually talk about them being very large and towering over the, their enemies some of these some of these troopers they're talked about being six eight six nine which is huge yeah yeah which in legend lore they were most times modified either mechanically or um uh, bio yeah. to be larger, to be more impressive, to be more intimidating, more effective at their work. But what we've seen so far is more of a trooper that is on the lines of very, very highly trained, seniored. Think of it like Navy SEALs of mm-hmm. yeah, uh, elite stormtroopers. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, and you can kind of tell that because there's only four of them yeah there was four or five of them four or five of them that came in and there was what 30 or 40 stormtroopers <laughs> yeah yeah the 30 40 surrounding him right but uh so yeah they get uh basically the off gideon orders the entire little 
cantina that they've held up and shot. Uh, filled full of lasers and take out all the other um, stormtroopers that were with this Imperial officer and the Imperial officer, but not killing the um, Mando or Grief or Kara. And so they're holed up in there. Heroes are outside and Mando continually calls out to Quill to make sure he's got made it a ship. They keep panning back and forth. But unfortunately, and this was like, oh, you cannot leave on that. Uh, the, the final scene of the episode is. Ugh. Yeah, the ending, the ending of seven kind of sucked because I was I really liked Quill. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so spoiler. You guys can tell. <laughs> Quill dies. Yeah. Quill, Quill is now dead. Uh, and. Baby Yoda got captured as well at the end of this. Um, yep. There were two scout troopers that kind of inter, uh, intersected a uh, transmission between Mando and, and Quill. So they hopped on their speeders, took after him. They got Quill, got baby, got baby Yoda. So, yeah, Moff, Moff means business. He showed up with uh, full force, all guns blazing. Killed his killed his own people to make a point, and uh, has basically, you know, showed the muscle, right? Yep. So, yeah, it was a moth was a really cool surprise. I liked what they did. Yeah, definitely. So definitely. we had to wait a week and a half for that episode yeah before we can see the next one because of because of the timing when seven came out and of when rise of skywalker came out to the theater they didn't want any overlap so we had to wait an additional uh few days because they pulled seven back from a friday release to a wednesday release because of this uh, rise of skywalker film was coming out on that friday and they didn't want any <laughs> they didn't want any overlap which was funny so yes, had to wait. Uh, had to wait a week and a half for eight, which felt like forever. Oh, it did. Eight though was my favorite. <sighs> um, by far was my favorite. We got so much in eight, so many things. And again, right back to John Favreau being funny with his Easter egg call out uh, right here when. Those two scout troopers picked up Baby Yoda. Of course, they 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 killed Quill, picked up Baby Yoda, and on their way back in, they uh, they had orders to basically stop before they came into town and get clearance if everything was good to bring, you know, the package in Baby Yoda. So while yeah. they're sitting out on the sand, they had this witty banter back and forth. Uh, one of the one of the scout troopers kept looking at the bag that the that baby Yoda was in, saying, "Well, um, we got to make sure he's been fed and taken care of." Another one's like, "Well, you just want to look at him." So uh, <laughs> it, it was basically an episode of Cops, but with yeah, but with, uh, with uh, scout troopers, with scout troopers and a baby Yoda, and uh, yep. so yeah, while they're while they're sitting here waiting. Uh, the one, the one's frustrated because the other one won't let him look at baby Yoda. So he pulls out his, uh, you know, blaster and there's this piece of trash scrap metal laying out 10 feet in front of him off his scout, uh, scout bike. So here he is trying to blast this thing in the sand and he can't hit it for anything. 
And the other guy kind of looks at him and goes, man, whatever. He pulls out his blaster. Now you got two of these stormtroopers shooting this thing and neither one of them can hit this stupid thing. And the, the one grabs his blaster and he kind of shakes it. And he's like, man, you seem like he's blaming the blaster. But again, just cool nod back to the stormtrooper lore now of them being a really bad shot. Yes. Yes, that was quite comical there. Um, and something happened here that I was really expecting. I knew it was going to happen because they, they, they had no reference to IG-11 towards the end of uh, episode seven. I was like, OK, Bill's dead. IG-11 was on the ship. So. They either figured out some way that he didn't just come around out there and take on the scout troopers or he's going to show up now. And he did. He shows up there. Is it? Uh, what was it? Oh, he. Uh, the, the second stormtrooper finally, uh, or the first stormtrooper finally let the second see Baby Yoda. And they're like, this is it? No, he kind of reaches out a finger. Bad idea. Baby Yoda bites it. Well, Scout Trooper kind of punches the bag that Baby Yoda's in. And then you see IG 11 just kind of stand there and go, uh, I request that you stop that. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It was very subtle. Very which polite. Was, which was funny. <laughs> yeah. Very polite. Um, and so far, and, you know, he's like, Hey, I need you to return that over to you. And he just, you know, no, no, no things about it. He just takes them both on and eliminates them. So, uh, and then takes off what at first I thought was really weird. He takes off with baby Yoda towards the settlement. Right. Yeah. Gets I, there. And, uh, yeah, I, so the, the instant thought that I had was, well, crap, he really is bad. And this whole programming thing didn't work out and he actually reverted. I thought maybe the Imperials had gotten a hold of him and he was really bringing, you know, this package in. That was my that was my first thought when he started coming into uh, coming into the settlement, the town. Yep. I agree. Uh, yeah, I thought it. It didn't make sense that he was bringing it into town, but it may have been just like he needs to get them all together and rescue everybody else type of situation. I don't know. Either way, he he basically blasts his way into town and takes out so many stormtroopers along the way, takes out the front guard all the way through the, the halls. And, uh, you know, get, this gets everybody distracted. Uh, but it just shows that, you know, from the firing of a droid is much more precise than a stormtrooper because he is like spot oh, on with yeah, either yeah. speeder bike shots or his blaster shot. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. Watching an IG unit fight the way they portrayed him so far is probably one of the coolest choreographies I've seen. Yeah. With the way his head turns and you can you can see his eyes targeting things and his arms flipping around and the way he protects baby Yoda. Yeah, yep. that was cool. Uh, the one line that I really uh, just it kind of made the whole show was when Mando hears the IG unit come over the intercom. And Mando's like, what are you doing? And the IG unit said, um, basically, I'm doing my purpose. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I was built to do. I'm protecting Baby Yoda, right? That's, yep. when he, that's when he flies into town and just goes haywire and everything, kills all the stormtroopers. Um, the IG unit actually became one of my favorite parts of, of, of the episode. He, he was really kind of the uh, 
highlight for me in in that very first part where he picked up baby yoda that that was that was just a cool cool way to bring him in yeah what well, and even like there's points when he's going down and he's like shooting everybody and baby yoda's like sitting there like giggling yeah um, yeah which was which was pretty funny because like like a roller coaster i i i, I toss it up to like he's giggling that he's all these very mean scout troopers punched him and now IG units getting revenge on them. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was cool to see for sure. Yeah. A uh, lot of stuff that we learned this, this episode was absolutely packed with uh, lots of little background things. We got to see a ton from Mando. Uh, we got to see a little bit from Cara Dune. So we actually learned Mando. Oh, yeah. We actually learned Mando's name. Um, got to learn some about Grief Karga. Yeah, a lot of stuff. This this episode was absolutely packed. Yeah, I mean, we we now figure out why Kara hates the Empire. Is that, um, and also another thing we figure out about Moff Gideon is, and we figure that's from Mando is that Gideon had to be part of the Imperial. Uh, service bureau which is basically the imperial kgb so yeah. all about information he, gathering he was a spy secret stuff spy uh because gideon calls out and uh mando's name which is din Djarin. um so he's like the only way he could have known that is during the siege or during the occupation of mandalore and, and the right. only reason you know he, he linked the dots very immediately i I could chalk it up a little bit too conveniently that he completely understood this was Moff Gideon. Kara knew who Moff Gideon was. Right. But it was a little jump for him to immediate link him to that unless he was the only Moff over that. So you could put that in there. There you go. And feel that little nuance. Maybe he was. I mean, you know, it was even talked about that Moff was wanted and known for war crimes. Uh, against you know against the people so i don't know it just seemed like the flashbacks that we got of mando mando seemed to be a a very young boy maybe i don't know he looked like maybe he was seven or eight years old so during during the um uh, during the the attack yeah the clone the The clone war the siege siege of mandalore yeah when when all those uh Uh, you know droids and stuff were coming in he didn't look very old uh but we uh get we get to learn that uh you know, that's that's why he has that hate for the, the droids. We get to learn his name. Uh, we learn that, you know, he has met Grief Cargo or not, uh, excuse me, not Grief Cargo before. Um, wow, that idea. Forget com- somebody's name. Yes, completely forgot their name. Oh, well, I mean, um, I'm wondering Moff if you've ever seen who rescued I don't know if he met, met Moff Gideon or knows about Moff Gideon as who oversaw something of the siege or occupation of Mandalore. Had to have seen something as quick as he put two and two together. He had to have known something. Um, yeah. Well, and then and then the whole scene, like you said, with uh, with the Mandalorian that rescued. Um, yep. With that rescued him, I think just kind of plays into the loyalty that he has, the lifestyle that he had, you know, he was a foundling. He wasn't born on, on Mandalore. So. Well, and that's, that's what was so interesting about that 
particular flashback because it shows the entire picture of him getting put in there, rescued by this Mandalore Mandalorian. And if you looked at the insignia on the shoulder of the Mandalorian and the yeah. armor color, yep, I'm pretty sure that it was Death Watch uh, that yeah, rescued him. I'm pretty sure it was. It the the insignia on the shoulder kind of gave it away. They didn't yeah, make they didn't I, make any references. Nobody called it out, but uh, I think the fans probably saw it. Yeah, any of those that were tracking or had been following like Star Wars Rebels, I think it was also it was called out the same with. Star Wars Clone Wars, uh, one of the most radical units of Mandalore and groups of Mandalorians uh, was Death, the Death Watch. Yeah. So they they really, you know, some people would side with certain certain like the Prime Minister and the Clone Wars wanted to side with the Republic, but the Death Watch wanted to keep them separate as their own and you know very radical, very very pro Mandalore and everything you do. So, uh, very interesting that he was rescued, uh, by them, but didn't turn out like them per se, as far as we know so far. Yeah. So whether he is also clan of death watch or maybe of the other clans. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of questions that have now come about. So I think, I think season two is going to be action-packed for one but i think definitely gonna hopefully answer a lot of questions that we've got for uh for those super fans out there that have seen chapter eight you probably know what we're talking about with uh you know we we got to see manda the mandalorian in kind of a grief state because he was basically on his deathbed uh, from something that had happened and uh we got to see his face because the IG unit came and stayed with him. So yep. I, I like what they're doing. You know, they're, they're really trying to connect Mando with the audience. They're trying to give them like a full background story of who he is, where he came from, what he stands for. Um, and he seems to be different than the rest of the Mandalorians. And, uh, you know, we got to see a lot of stuff with grief as well. Brief cargo. We learned that he was a previous magistrate, which that was kind of a left field for me. That was kind of a cool little tidbit that came in. So it goes from a very lawful man to a very lawless man in a way. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of seems like a good position for him to be in, kind of where he was at with the guild. Whereas they have laws, loose laws, but still laws to abide by. Yeah. Of don't do this particular set of things, and you know you can do whatever else you want. So. Uh, yeah, so we, we figured out all the background. Um, I can't remember if I already called it out, but we figure out why Kara hates the Empire is that Gideon calls out that she's from Alderaan. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yep. That would that be why. That would be why. That would be why. <laughs> they kind of yep. blew up her planet. They they blew up her planet. Uh, they, they basically enslaved people. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Bad things. Yeah. Empire's nasty, man. They 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 just kind of came in and you know tried to rule everything that they could, take over the world, universe. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I really want to see where they where they go with uh, with Gideon. The really how bad is this guy? Really, what has he done? And uh, 
I don't know. Well, I it's think... interesting that you, you know, people immediately assume that he's like 100% bad, but the actors come out and said, don't judge him to be of that type of caliber, right? right. Of the bad, of, of like evil. Like he has an agenda. He's not necessarily bad. He just, you know, wants to achieve a certain goal. Right. right. And he doesn't like people being in his way. So, yeah. Well, and he's got the also, tools to be it, able it kind to of plays those. into Right. It also plays into that if he knew Baby Yoda was away, why didn't he just torch the entire building? So, there's some other things playing in there. Yeah. About his his objectives and how to execute them. So, yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think a lot of stuff to play in. You actually you actually made a good note here. Uh, really the one person that we haven't seen a lot of backstory on yet was baby Yoda. Uh We've learned a little bit about him that, you know, he's presumed to be about 50 years old. That's really the only backstory we've got on him so far. And we see a little bit of his force use and kind of him growing uh, in relationship with Mando, but that's about it. So. Yep. It's odd that because the, um, you know, Gideon says he's more to me than you know. Uh, so there's something about that he knows about Baby Yoda, or maybe he has come into contact with Baby Yoda before this. Something's. Well, and that and that comment to me really brought the question in again for the whole cloning thing. Is Ooh. is Moff Gideon? Um, doing something with cloning as he got in a hold is that why baby yoda is so important are they trying to clone baby yoda because they know he has force abilities i, I don't know I'm, I'm really really curious to see where they go with it we'll see hopefully we'll get at least some indication of that come season two which is actually not going to hit until next fall yeah we, we've got a uh, year yeah, we've got a year. Ah, uh, just torture me. Uh, it will be. It. Yeah, <laughs> definitely will be. But hopefully, but we can't the, leave uh, this episode without the last big reveal. Oh, this was huge! Huge, like one. Of, yeah, one uh, of the biggest what? reveals in Star Wars ever. Yeah, except uh, second to Baby Yoda. Second to but Baby this Yoda. This is a continuous yes. storyline of this item, and and just going to say it is that Gideon has the dark saber. Yeah. Which for those that have followed along with the storyline of Mandalore uh basically always went to and the dark saber uh, or just sort of dark saber was it was the lightsaber created by Vizla um which is yep. the last name also Tar- and Vizla which is the name Tarvizla the original Mandalorian Jedi. So created by that Jedi and then was handed down as kind of a stake to the rifle ruler of Mandalore of right. whoever had the dark saber. It basically became their scepter per se. Yep. Yep. And their kind of claim to power. Yep. Claim to the throne per se. So uh, seeing that it was like, oh, Yes, they're going to have something involved with that. Of, I don't think that Gideon is uh, 
of Mandalore or Mandalorian or anything like that has anything in relationship to him. But uh, he somehow acquired his hands on it as a uh, trophy. I'm going to put it as that. Right. Kept it with him, but it's going to play into somehow either the Mandalorian gets it or something about using it to reclaim Mandalore. To some aspect. Yeah, definitely curious to see what they're going to do. It would be it would be cool to see if they had some flashbacks of Tar Vizsla as well in there. But who knows? Who knows what they'll do with it? Oh, how they'll bring all that in. Good way to end it. It was also a good ending to the actual season itself. It wrapped up a lot oh, with the initial storyline of the, the Bounty Guild. Um, he's now squared away with that. It opened up the whole thing with the Imperials and this Moff Gideon that's still going to be hunting them. And now that we know he's basically part of the ISB of that universe, he has a lot of very scary resources at his disposal. I would assume at his disposal to be able to track the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, I, I see him being very involved next season. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. But we got a year. A lot can happen in a year. Got a year. So that's going to be our end of 2020 episodes back to back of next year. Next year. (laughs) So Christmas and New Year's. 2020 Mm -hmm. we get to talk about (laughs) chapter uh chapters whatever they end up doing uh it'll be season two where they end up doing it yeah gonna be fun gonna be good be fun but uh that wraps up this uh end of 2019 it is crazy 2019 is done for we've only got a few days left and it is officially 2020 crazy two days two days as, as of this recording yep two days as of recording right now so i guess with that being said guys uh we just want to thank you again for all of the support uh throughout 2019 you guys are absolutely amazing and i just want to say whatever you guys get up to for the rest of the year i hope you guys have an amazing new year uh, definitely looking forward to 2020 with you all Absolutely. And throughout the throughout the year, um, just thank you guys for the support. We're just a couple geeks that like talking about all things geekery. Uh-huh. And we enjoy and we greatly appreciate that you guys enjoy listening to what we talk about. So um, if you did enjoy this episode, uh, be sure to subscribe to the All Things Geekery podcast with any of your favorite podcasting apps. Drop us a review on iTunes or Spotify. And for me personally, guys, I will see you in the next decade. (laughs) The next decade. (laughs) Yep. Decade is done. And with that, guys, you can also find us out on Twitter. You can connect with me. That is at detached with an X before and after the name. You can also connect with Victus and that is at Victus ATG. And you can also find our shenanigans on our podcast Twitter page at the ATG cast. And make sure you guys reach out to us. We love hearing from you all and uh, we will be on the lookout for anything that you guys want to talk about for the 2020 year. And if you guys like, you can also join us for 
uh, live for some gaming content every weeknight at twitch.tv forward slash Victus AT. Yeah, and just as always, guys, thank you so much for listening again. You guys absolutely rock. But with that being said, everything has been so much fun this year. Victus and I have had a ton of content that we have pushed out. We have a lot of things coming for 2020. But with that, guys, that wraps up this podcast. So as always, you guys stay awesome, and we will see you in the next episode.